Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned into the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, thank you for downloading another episode of the Cherry Pickin' Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Cherry, and on today's show, we got a special treat here for you all. Uh, Casey Kane, a good friend Casey Callanan, has dropped by the uh, Cherry Pickin' Studios, and him and I are going to talk a little bit of the college football playoffs, talk about this coaching carousel in college football, and just any other really topics that come up along the way, you know, through the natural discourse of our conversation, but... Uh, Casey, man, I just want to say what's up, man. Thank you for hopping on here. Hey, Andre, it's bowl season. We just got to do the Army-Navy game, and then we're ready to rock and roll with uh, the postseason. Yeah, man, the Army-Navy games this weekend. I would love to go to that game, though, man. I've never been to the Army-Navy game. That's like a bucket list item for me. I know for a lot of folks that love college football, probably like yourself, it's a big honor you know just to watch that game in person and they usually play it in philly at the link the lincoln financial field i was blanking for some reason but i've never had a chance to go hopefully next year i think it's back in philly i would love an opportunity to see that live yeah it's usually either i mean baltimore new york new jersey and then um philly is the most notable locations that I can remember. Um, it said last year it was at West Point, though, because of the COVID situation. But in the last, going back to 1983, the Army-Navy game has been in either East Rutherford, New York, New, or New Jersey, whatever. It's so stupid they play in New Jersey when the team's from New York. Different story for a different time. Um but yeah, it's been in either Jersey slash New York, West Point, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and one year it was in Landover, Maryland, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. So since 1983, it's only been in like three or four locations. 83. And in, yeah, and in 83, it was in uh, Pasadena for some reason. But like, for a long but i would say predominantly it's held in philadelphia like almost way more than anything else yeah man i gotta i gotta find a way to get some credentials to that game man why do you uh, think it's in philly it's i mean it's not in philly this year but usually it's like usually i thought next year it's in philly i thought yeah it probably is but why i'm asking why is it always in philadelphia just because it's a midway point between the two campuses that could be. I mean, I actually don't know the historical reason why, but I mean, I'll take it. I, I like that it's in Philly. That's usually a good weekend when they're here. Yeah. But I would love to somehow get credentials. But like, my biggest problem right now is the fact that I do this podcast show. I love doing the Cherry Picker podcast, but I think a lot of people think this is some sort of gambling site. The content that I provide, I, don't typically do it for gambling purposes. I mean, I like to make predictions to see if I'm right, but I'm not like betting against the spread or telling you, you got to bet this. I'm just making predictions. So that's been a little bit of a battle over here at CPE, my man. Oh, wow. Trying to get them. Yeah. Trying to get those credentials. Now with some CPE. Yeah. 
cherry picking entertainment logistics. Yeah. So next year I may have to adjust the strategy of how I do my show, but you know, I, I just love doing college football. I know you are a big college football fan as well. It's crazy that I think this might be the first time I've had you on this season. And I usually try to have you on a few times throughout the season. I know yeah. our, our schedules have been busy I, I'm for myself. I mean, working a full-time job and being a dad, it's, it's tough, but yeah, I have a creative idea. Um, what's that for next time Zola misbehaves when she's a little older, Zola, your daughter, if she misbehaves, I have a good creative punishment idea. What's that, man? Make her watch the Bahamas Bowl. <laughs> the Bahamas Bowl? <laughs> this year? Are you looking at the, the schedule for this year? Yeah. I actually have it up right now. And in the Bahama Bowl, oh, Middle Tennessee versus Toledo? Yeah. Make her watch that as punishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That uh, They got some crazy bowls this year. And like I, I have the list up right now in front of me. The Bahamas Bowl, I probably won't be able to catch that one at 12 p.m. on the 17th of December. But I am excited for the Cure Bowl, 10-2 Coastal Carolina versus 9-4 Northern Illinois. We know oh, you want to talk sleeper bowls. Let's talk yeah. some good – yeah. I mean, now that we got the joking out of the way, making fun of some of the lesser-known matchups, let's crack down some good sleeper bowls because that's what I was looking at. Yeah. So you're saying that that Coastal NIU Huskies game – that's the first night of bowl action. You're saying get get mid Tennessee and Toledo out of the way, and you want to settle in for a little NIU Husky ball. Yeah, and back to that Bahamas Bowl. Toledo usually puts up some offense, so I mean that's going to be an interesting game. I don't have. Oh, you're going to watch it? I'm not going to watch it. I'd probably be honestly at that time. I'll be working, but that matchup is intriguing to me. But. Yeah. Toledo, I would say they're going to put up some points because they usually do. But I'm really excited about that Cure Bowl on that first night that you had mentioned there, Casey. Yeah. Northern yeah. Illinois, we know that team well. Coach uh, Thomas Hammock, he is a Coach of the Year finalist, uh, the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year Award. I actually get a vote in that this year. I'm going to put put his name down as a coach that I, I'm going to select as the Coach of the Year in college football, man. Dude, Thomas Hammock at NIU. NIU. Yeah, man, this guy, so they went 0-6 in 2020. They didn't win a game Whoa. last well, year. Well, 2020 was a crazy year. I don't even I don't even consider it, like, it was so wild. Like, well, what were they in 2019? So this is Coach Hammock's, I don't know if this is his second year or if it's his third year at, at the helm, but I think yeah. he, it was his, yeah, it's his, his third year now. Last year, they went 0-6, didn't win a game, the COVID season, this yeah. year they went nine and four. They won the Mac this year. They went from last place to first place in a season. They're okay. From- yeah. Even though it was a COVID year, I guess if you go, Oh, if you put a big goose egg and then you win the, and then you win the conference, that is pretty cool. Actually. I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah, man. I want, I'm going to vote for him because that's a, a great turnaround. I actually know him. Um, I met him. Back at a junior day when I was at when I was a young cherry picking in in high school playing football, I had an opportunity to go to a junior day at Wisconsin up in Madison, and okay. my dad and I went up there. This was when Coach Alvarez was still up there. Brett Bielema was, I think, the OC at the time. My guy Owen Daniels, he was there. He was actually on the team 
he gave Dang. me a little he gave me a little what's up like a head nod because i was wearing my letterman jacket but okay. coach hammock he actually came up to my dad and i we were eating lunch like they catered okay. some sort of lunch there he gave me his card he talked to me and coach hammock he's a he was a running back at niu a great a great running back he had some health problems so he had to step away from the game in that capacity but this guy's a football coach through and through. He was with the Ravens like a couple of years ago, man. He uh, was, I think he was a running back coach. He loves football, man. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the NIU Huskies and I'm rooting for him, man. Thomas Hammock, 2019 hired at NIU directly off being the runnings back coach at the Ravens who are ferociously known for their running game. So they're like, this guy was such a good running back coach. Let's just make him the head coach at NIU. I love it. And he, you know, struggled in the first two years, not even his players at, at first, of course. But, yeah, going nine and four, six and two in the conference after the 0 for 6 season, COVID or not COVID, that's an incredible turnaround. I support your vote for coach of the year. Yeah, Hat tip to Thomas Hammock. And his whole mentality is like, you know, no one cares what your excuse is. Like, do better, be better, like – get it done you know so was hammock a physical running back oh yeah man he was a body he looks like a bruiser yeah. yeah i mean he's a big guy now but he you know smaller dude back in the day of course he was he was shifty he was good this oh, may wow. have been a little before our time casey like i remember him kind of towards the tail end uh when i was you know just we're young kids at the time yeah. but 2002 ushered, yeah he ushered in some good running backs at that school garrett wolf uh came oh, in probably man. right after him but like they've had some good running backs. They've had some success at NIU. I think they've won. I think they've won like six MAC championships in the last eleven years. This is the first oh. time since 2018. For a oh. long time, NIU was that team in Illinois, man. Like the best team in Illinois was this MAC school. They're back up in DeKalb, Illinois. DeKalb. They're back. Did Michael Turner go there too? Yeah, right? Michael. Michael the Burner Turner. He might have been right after. Thomas Hammock, to be honest. That guy was awesome. So, the, yeah, they've had some some great running backs there, man. That's a great program, and it's cool to see them back up on top. Michael Turner or Darren Sproles, who you got as the best little – as the best mini running back of that era? See, it's kind of, like, offensive because Michael Turner, he's small in height, but his stature, he's like a giant dude. Have you seen that guy? Oh. He was so thick. Like, he was a, a big wide. running back. Yeah. yeah, you're right. You're right. They're not a good comparison. But I mean, yeah, it's hard to hard to select. But Darren Sproles, man, that dude, he had a great career in college and also in the pros. Yeah, that's tough, man. But Burner the Turner, man, he was a longtime Atlanta Falcon running yeah. back. He was great. Turner was 5'10", 245. That's, that's a big boy, man. Wow. But yeah, that's so not to get off you know off track here. But Cure Bowl is the one that I'm looking at. What what Bulls have your interest, man? Well, yeah, I really like looking at the early games because you're just like, there's that huge gap between the championship Saturday and the bowl season. So it really, you, if you can get a nice game in there, like you're talking about with Northern Illinois on that first night, that's just a win-win. After that, you know, Saturday, December 18th, Kind of drops off a little bit other than you got BYU playing, which they had an interesting season. So it'll be good to see them on um, that next week where you got that the holiday week kind of starts off December 20th, that Monday, 
you know, the bowl games are going kind of full force up until uh, Christmas. You know, there's not really too many games that really um, that really caught my eye up until you talk about um, I want to see on December 23rd. UCF versus Florida. I think the battle of, of Florida kind of is, you know, football, college football is kind of hurting right now in Florida, the state of Florida overall, which is very shocking because of how many great high school athletes come out of Florida. Uh, but right now, you know, you got you, uh, UCF in Florida, and that's like a big bragging rights game because, you know, Florida had such a rough season and UCF, they've kind of been the team in Florida for the last few years. Yeah, and that, that bowl game that Casey's talking about is the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, Florida versus UCF. Florida kind of limped, you know, to the finish line this season. Their head yeah. coach got fired, Dan Mullen. They started with high expectations, and they finished, you know, pretty uh, pretty lackluster performance there towards the end of the season. That was one game that I had circled on my calendar as well. Just like you said, kind of bragging rights type thing. UCF is definitely going to get up for that. I'm sure Florida will see if they're as excited or as enthusiastic about that matchup, but that, that should be a good game for sure. Yeah. What did UCF do this year? Did they have a neat, nice year? You know, to be honest, I think everything Cincinnati did because they come out of the American conference, both of oh, those yeah. teams, I think it was overshadowed by what Cincinnati did because everybody had eyes on Cincinnati since he just steamrolled everybody pretty much in its path this year. So steamrolled them. Yeah. I mean, they, they did enough to, to earn a bowl bid, but I eight don't think. They, yeah. I mean, that's, that's nothing to, to laugh at, you know, eight and four is pretty good. Yeah. That's solid. And that's the first year I believe with their new head coach, um, Gus. Malzahn. Oh, Gus yeah, yeah. From old uh, Auburn head coach for a long time. Oh yeah. 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 So that was a, in my opinion, that's a really smart hire by by um, UCF. I think you're going to see the UCF Knights get back into the mix. I think you're going to start to see them, you know, challenging Cincinnati, challenging Houston. I love what's going on in that conference. It's exciting. I don't know about you, man. I know that this is going to make me sound like a crazy guy, but on Saturday, I was more interested in the Cincinnati-Houston game than I was – watching the SEC championship. I mean, I'm a unique guy. I just like seeing different kind of things. I know the branding of football is huge in the SEC, but I was so excited to see an at-home conference kind of championship game. You know, you see the neutral site games, and those have their own kind of fun appeal to them. They're in these big NFL stadiums. But you had Cincinnati. You know, the sun was setting at that on-campus Nippert Stadium in in Cincinnati. You had a a huge high-stakes game in conference in this non-Power 5 conference. And you're seeing, you know, Houston and Cincinnati playing in front of a packed stadium, electric atmosphere. And the first half was highly competitive. It was like, is Houston going to do this? Are they going to play spoiler? With all the things going on, you know, it looked to me like Bama was really, even though Georgia was up beginning in the beginning stages of the game, I just didn't have any doubt that that was Bama's day. And I was like, this Bama game, to me, fate accompli, Bama's going to roll, and, and SEC is going to get two teams in the, in the playoff. But I really have my eye on that Houston versus uh, Cincy game. That was an exciting, unique atmosphere. Yeah, and that, that – I mean, it 
the score was 35 to 20 in that that Cincy versus Houston game. Houston was ranked number 21 at the time. That was the second team that Cincy played this season that was ranked. And so everybody thought that because they beat Notre Dame, you know, they could just breeze through to the end of the season. And that's that's not true. I mean, there are some tough teams in the American. Houston is one of those teams for sure. And I, I kind of I'm with you there, Casey. Like I was more interested in the Cincy versus Houston matchup because I feel like there was more on the line for Cincinnati. Every the folks that are on that committee, I'm sure probably didn't want to give Cincinnati a shot at the playoffs. Like they begrudgingly put them where they were so that they could either play themselves in or play themselves out. Fortunately, things fell the right way. They played themselves in, but that was a big time game. Like everything was riding on that game. Cincy versus Houston, because they had, they lost, they would have been out. They would not be in the discussion. You got to tip your cap to, you got to tip your cap to the Houston Cougars and what Dayton Holgerson's been been able to do with them since leaving West Virginia. I, I'm very impressed with what Houston's been doing. I know that the Big 12 is going to have to regroup when they lose Texas and Oklahoma. And honestly, if they can get the likes of Cincy, Houston, BYU in there, UCF, they're even talking about. If they can get four teams like that in the conference and you see how well Oklahoma State and Baylor are playing, Big 12 is not going to be a non-Power 5 when they lose Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, it was incredible to see those teams step up. I think the future is bright for Big 12 football. And geographically, it's going to be a little bit more, uh, for West Virginia at least, you know, it's it's not going to be as crazy. I don't think the travel when they get – when they get these new teams in there, except for the BYU scenario. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting for the Big 12. You know, I I wonder if there's any sort of remorse from Texas or Oklahoma for their decision to go to the SEC. I mean, they're going to have their work cut out for them, definitely. I mean, it's big for the brand. Especially, Especially Texas. Yeah, Texas is in a worse spot than Oklahoma is by far. Oklahoma been one of the better teams in the big 12 for a very long time. And it's just like, you're going to give that all up to start over. I mean, you want to play with the big boys. I get it, but damn, yeah. man, that's tough. I I think, I think Oklahoma plays like a big, like a sec team. I think they're going to be okay. They're going to be able to hang in. And I just don't think they're going to be, you know, Oklahoma, you know, as long as the playoff format has been four teams, Oklahoma's kind of had that, I don't want to say easy path to the championship, but I mean, look at, if you want to be honest and call a spade a spade, they're not playing the same quality of schedule that in Alabama, Georgia and LSU had to play to get into that playoff. They're, they're playing a much softer schedule. Now, when, when Oklahoma gets into the big 12, I think they're going to be better week in week out by playing such great competition, but I don't think you're going to see Oklahoma in a championship game for, for a long time because the competition, they're just going to, they're going to get beat up before they get to that chance. I agree with you there. And, you know, you're talking about the playoffs and, you know, why don't we just dive right into this year's playoffs? Is there any, before we do, was there any other sleeper bowl games you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Don't sleep on that Jimmy Kimmel bowl, man. That Jimmy Kimmel LA bowl. Oh, really? Okay. Utah State versus Oregon State. I'm just messing around. That name is crazy. Like I'm just looking at the list. Oh, no, I didn't know what it was. I I thought 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, L.A. I Bowl. Mean, that's crazy because you're seeing some real creative sponsorships in these early bowl games. Um, obviously, you have the first time ever Barstool Sports is 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 uh, sponsoring a game. You got the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. You got the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. I mean, they're getting real creative with these sponsors. Uh, uh, and like, it's always fun when you have. It's always interesting when you just straight up don't even have like a bowl game name. Like I get it. Like you have like Barstool Arizona Bowl. At least you could say, hey, we won the Arizona Bowl. And you have the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl, but it's actually a bowl game name, right? It's like, it's not just the Jimmy, it's the LA Bowl, right? Yeah, his name is just in front of it, but yeah, yeah it's the LA Bowl. So it's the LA Bowl. But when you look at the one that West Virginia's in and you look guaranteed rate bowl and you look at the Cheez It Bowl, I mean, that's not even trying to have like a a, a name to it, you know? <laughs> like, or the tro- tropical smoothie cafe Frisco Bowl. Yeah. Why you want some sort of continuity with the name of the bowl, you know? I understand that the sponsorships are gonna change, you know, every couple years or so at the least, but you definitely want to have at least some sort of even if the name gets super long, I think you want to have that. Cause then, you know, uh, because I believe West Virginia won an Arizona bowl game a few or not an Arizona bowl, a cactus bowl, I think it was called a couple of years back. And the Cactus Bowl, I believe, is now transitioned into being called just the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. So you're like, yeah, okay, like you want to know, okay, in, in, in 2017, we won this game, but it just makes it really hard to like remember any of the bowl like history. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm actually excited. That's a, actually a good matchup, West Virginia versus Minnesota. That should be really yeah. interesting game. I'm going to be watching that. NC State. That's a tough. That's a tough matchup for West Virginia. I think they're gonna they're gonna be. Uh, that's gonna be a dogfight. Yeah. Oh yeah. And because Minnesota can run the ball really well. Um, they're playing. They're playing good football. I mean, they kind of had a letdown towards the end of this the season for them. I mean, they had an opportunity to win the uh, Big Ten West, and they kind of yeah. dropped that opportunity. But I mean, they're in a bowl game against West Virginia. That that'll get some views, man. That's a that's a nice little bowl game. Uh. 10-15 kickoff Eastern Eastern. Most West Virginia fans are on the Eastern time zone. Um, that's a little bit of I mean, it's late. Tough, yeah, <laughs> on a work night. That's late. I mean, it's the holidays, so you think some people are going to be, you know, be unable to watch it. Uh, Minnesota's on the Central time zone, so yeah, I don't know if like it's going to be that well rated on television. But the matchup is that's a strong matchup. Yeah, it, it really is. And I'll probably watch the first uh, first half of that game, maybe. Yeah. That's kind of late yeah. for me. I'll definitely be watching the NC State versus UCLA matchup, which is on the same day, December 28th at 8 p.m. And they're playing that bowl game inside Petco Park. So two yeah. things I love the most, NC State and Petco Park. And I wish I had an opportunity to go watch that game because if I was in California or San Diego, I probably would be there for sure. NC State had a good season this year, yeah. second in the Atlantic. UCLA played really well. They're, they're back, I guess. Um, some speculation there, there that Chip Kelly may bounce. Have you heard that speculation? Where would he go? To Oregon. There's speculation that back to Oregon. the Ducks may want him back. But I'll be glued into that game. I'm, I'm sure 
UCLA is excited. They haven't been bowling in quite some time. So that's going to be a fun game that I'll definitely be watching there. Are you thinking Brian McLennan um, is, is like on his, they're not going to hire him full time. Like you don't think he's got a chance as the interim head coach right now at Oregon. I mean, they, he, I guess he has a chance cause he's there right now, but I mean, who are they playing? Probably the they're they're going to go a little bit bigger of a splash. You know, they're going to try and get that big. I mean, Chip Kelly would move the needle for sure. Chip Kelly would move the needle. But do you think that's a little bit of a linear? Um, it's kind of like a a linear move for Chip Kelly. Like, is that really that big a step up to go back to Oregon? I think it's a step up for any coach because of the money that is pumped into that program. I'm actually surprised Mario Cristobal left from Oregon to Miami because I think the Oregon job is a better job right now for, for a while. And I think Mario Cristobal, certainly he's got ties to Miami um, and deep ties to Miami. So he wanted to come back home, but that Oregon job is nice, man. That's real nice, real solid money coming in there. All the merchandise, like it's, that's, that's a good little school. I would like to be at big school, but I I would love to be up there if if I was a head coach. I'm going to propose this. I might not make a lot of fans up in Oregon, but I think if Brian McLennan can beat Oklahoma in that Alamo Bowl. He's got a job. You talk about, you talk about a high-energy coach. You talk about a guy that played the game. He was, a, he was a star at Georgia, I believe, at UGA. And then he was even had a sniff in the NFL with the, with the Bears. Um, this guy's young. He's energetic. That's going to be a long-term answer. I think you can get if if he wins that game. I I honestly think if you're Oregon, you got to give him the guy a chance. Come on now, that would be a big time opportunity. And maybe they're waiting to see how he does in that bowl game because that's a it's a big matchup against Oklahoma. That's a big matchup and against Coach Bob Stoops. You hear about that? He's coming back to coach for a game. That's a mind blowing game. That is insane. Nobody's talking about that enough that Bob Stoops, the 2000 national champion, Bob Stoops is back. I mean, I'm sure, look, I'm sure the fans in Oklahoma down there in Norman, like love the fact that Bob Stoops is coming back to coach a game. Yeah. As somebody on the outside looking in, I don't know that I like that so much, like give it to somebody else that, on the staff that is still there that maybe, you know, could get some experience coaching a game. Um, you know, Brent Venables, he is the head coach. He'll, he'll be coming on next year. And he actually coached with Bob Stoops from like 99 to 2011. So he's coming oh, wow. home, but like, I just, I don't, it's just, yeah, it's like splashy. It's flashy. It's like, we're bringing back Bob Stoops. He was, a, he was an analyst with Fox like a week ago and now he's coming back to coach a bowl game. Like, I don't know, man. I feel like I've never seen that in my life. What a coach come back to coach a coach that did not coach during the regular season. Doesn't know the players hasn't been in the program. You know, I mean, I'm just saying he doesn't know players. Like I'm not saying he doesn't follow the team. I'm just saying he hasn't been in that locker room since training camp or, you know, whatever they call it in college football in the beginning of August or whatever, you know, those dog days, he hasn't been there. Like, he's that's gonna pop, crazy. He's just going to pop in, man. Like He's Kramer. just popping in. But that's that's what's crazy. So it, it has happened before. Uh, Barry it's Alvarez. A, it's a marketing move. It's yeah. got to be a marketing move. For sure, man. To get you excited, like your head coach, Lincoln Riley, this hot coach in college football just leaves. What, what can we do to keep the fan base up? Oh, let's bring back Bob Stoops. This guy's one. 
championships. We'll bring him back from Fox to play, you know, to coach a game. I, I get it from that perspective. Barry Alvarez did it at Wisconsin. He's coached okay. bowl games. I think he's coached like two bowl games before as not the head coach previously. Wait, like they just brought him off TV to coach? Well, so Barry, he's got a little bit. Of a oh, well, he's the head, he was the yeah. AD though. He was the AD. So he's still around that team. Yeah. You know, they love him down there in, in Madison. So that's yeah. like a different situation. But like I have my problems with that as well because I feel like Barry Alvarez, he's too big of a, a, a brand. Like Barry Alvarez, he's a legend. So he probably overshadows a lot mm. and like, you know, just, he's just too, too connected. Like you kind of want, you know, you had your time, Barry, just, can you move on? Like, can I coach and do my thing? But he's beloved there. You know, he's, he's a legend just like Bob Soups is. So I get it from that perspective. There's absolutely correct me if I'm wrong. There's absolutely 0% chance that Bob Stoops win or loses the head coach of Oklahoma Sooners football next fall. Yeah, that no, that, so that's not going to happen at all. They have their coach, uh, Brett Venerable, Venerables, he from Clemson. Oh, got you. Okay. Yeah, so like that's absolutely not going to happen. But uh, Brett, he worked with Bob Soups for a while back in the day. He's yeah. one hell of a, a an assistant he was at uh, Clemson. But yeah, there's no way it's happening. It's just like you said, just something flashy, something nice for the fans this holiday season, man. The coaching carousel in college football is unlike any other sport, and it gets super awkward. Yeah, I mean, let's let's dive right into that, man. Exactly. I wanted to – I actually texted you a week ago after a lot of this Brian Kelly stuff happened. I'm like, Andrea, I got to talk with you, coaching carousel. This is is getting out of hand. I mean, it's been like that for a while, you know. I think for a long time – People were always like, what is this going on? People are, the money is so high that coaches are just, you know, everything becomes a pit stop. You know, let's win three years at, you know, a Mac school so we can win four years in the big 12 and then get hired at the SEC for a career. You know, it's like everyone was always using college football as a, as a stepping stone, but now with the bowl games, like almost people like the bowl games are so like, People aren't even taking them serious. At They're the meaningless. Years. They're, They're meaningless. not, ta- but like, it's not meaningless. You're putting a kid on the field that has a chance to get drafted, that has a chance to suffer an injury that could end their career. You have all these medical issues that could happen. There are stakes in these games. These are not exhibition matchups. They're not playing touch football. These are high, like important in my opinion, games that should be taken way more serious than just like coaches being allowed to just dip. I mean, it's I agree. Crazy. I agree with you because they're spinning it that way that, Oh, this game means something. We made it to a bowl game. That's what you usually play for to go to a bowl game. You know, there's, you put in the grind during the season, your reward is the bowl game for you, for your fan base, everyone associated with that program. That's that should be a huge reward a big reward, but these days coaches are not taking it that seriously. And I know people will say, well, we've had players, you know, step out of bowl games because they don't want to get hurt. You know, they're thinking about themselves. Well, yeah, they're thinking about themselves because they're going to the NFL. Like they want to further their careers. If they get hurt, it's done. But these coaches, they can just bounce. You know, we've seen coaches like Brian Kelly, just I'm out like you, uh, Notre Dame was still in the running potentially to make the playoffs. And Brian yeah. Kelly is like, I'm going to LSU. Peace. 
Forget y'all. I'm going to ask you some questions that are on my mind because you're the expert here. And I don't know as much about this as you. Um, So in the instance of Oklahoma, they brought in Stoops. Is that because they don't want to have someone that was on the dude who left's former staff coach that game because the new guy coming in is going to clear house? So in this situation, like I said, uh, Brett Venables is coming in. But in that situation for Oklahoma specifically, maybe they know that whoever they bring in is going to clean house. They just want a clean slate. So they're not going to give anyone an opportunity to shine on Lincoln Riley's you know, previous coaching roster, you know, on this coaching staff, especially yeah. the way that Riley just bounced out like that kind of disrespectfully, mm-hmm. you know, that's a big deal to a program like Oklahoma that loves football, loves winning. And he's just going to leave to take USC. It probably hurt their feelings. And they're probably like, forget this guy. You know, no one is going to get that shot to coach in an interim basis. We'll just bring so what- in one of our own Bob Stoops and he'll do it. So Lincoln Riley's assistants will still be on the field, though? See, I'm not sure who of his assistants is coming over with him to USC. I would probably assume that many of those guys are going to be gone. I don't this know. Is when, this is when it gets awkward. Yeah. I, I mean, this I would is, think if I'm Bob Stoops, you need those coaches there because Bob Stoops doesn't have any coaches he can just plug right now to be like, come on over. I need your help coaching. I wouldn't think. I mean, This is when it gets awkward. Okay. Because look at what happened at Notre Dame. With Tommy Reese, he was like basically in this weird spot. Is he staying? Is he going to go with Brian Kelly? And he had to have that emotional conference with his team and be like, I'm here, guys. I can't talk too much about it, but I'm here. Meanwhile, this is a couple days before if some things work out in their favor, Notre Dame could be playing for a national championship. I've never seen that before. That's That's got to be a first. I mean, Casey, a they team went, has a chance at the national championship and the, the players don't even know who their coach is like or their assistants. <laughs> That's incredible. It is incredible. They went 11 and one. And you're right. At the time, they were still very much in the conversation for going to the playoffs. And to be honest, had Georgia taken care of business in beating beating Bama, I'll beat it probably would I'll, be in the playoffs. I'll one, I'll one up you. That could have just played out like it did if Baylor – doesn't make that goal line stand in Oklahoma State. Like, what wasn't that a big one, too? Didn't that play into it? Like, so, I feel like that goal line stand cost Notre Dame a championship. No, well, so in the or final, did that help Notre Dame? I'm sorry, yeah, in the I'm final, gonna... yeah. So, I think it helped Notre Dame because right it now, Notre, Notre Dame, okay, yeah, Notre Dame is five, so like they okay. they would have probably been in had Bama lost, yeah, yeah, okay. So, all that needed to happen was Bama. Bama somehow lost in Notre Dame with how everything played out. If Bama had taken, if, if Bama had lost in UGA won, then Notre Dame would have been in the championship. Right. But like, yeah, but like how crazy is that for Notre Dame? Like the school, like how, how crazy is that Notre Dame gets into the playoffs and their head coach leaves the Notre Dame job. Some people think that's like one of the top jobs in college football. Your coach left to go to LSU and you don't even have a, a coach to coach the team in the playoffs. That's crazy. Yeah, that's and it. Oh my gosh, it came so close to happening because all that really needed to happen was I mean, Notre Dame, after here's what I was thinking after Baylor beat Oklahoma State with that insane goal line stand, then Notre Dame's playoff chances increased like crazy. Because if Houston would have won, if if Alabama 
would have won. I mean, if, Al- if Alabama would have lost, if Houston would have won, or if somehow Iowa would have beat Michigan, like there was three chances. If all yeah. three of those games didn't go against the Irish like they did, I mean, Notre Dame is in the national championship conversation one game away without a head coach. And the That's- crazy the crazy thing is, Casey, they probably would have, and I know we're playing could have, should have, would have here, but they probably would have been playing, say Cincinnati beats Houston like they do. They may have been playing Notre Dame versus Cincinnati, and they probably would have beaten Cincinnati. Like a lot of Notre Dame fans would have loved that matchup. Oh my God. You're telling me. You're talking about, and then you're talking about the Cincinnati coach almost like guaranteed they're saying he's going to go to Notre Dame. Yeah, man. It's, there was a lot of different scenarios playing out, but it, I think it's crazy and it puts your staff in a crazy position because LSU, they wanted you. Like Brian Kelly, LSU wanted you. So, like, you're having these conversations with your agents and whatever, and you go. That puts your team and your players and your coaches in a, a, a weird situation because your coaches are focused on the next game or, or the offseason or the potentially making it to the playoffs. And you're just going to tell them, well, look, I got this job to LSU. Are y'all coming with me or not? Like, let's go. And it's like you, those those coaches have had so much invested into Notre Dame. That's unfair for you to be like, let's just go. We're leaving. He got this big contract. I think like $90 million he's getting from LSU. And you just expect your, your guys that have rode with you for this entire time to just drop everything they're doing with Notre Dame and go with you. And for the, you know, for Tommy Reese, for Marcus Freeman, they were like, no, I am staying here. I'm invested. I love this team. Like we can do this on our own. And it's, it's probably like a bad breakup, you know, the way that it ended and fractured, but you know, what did you expect was going to happen? Like, I almost wish there were rules to this and there, there is no rules to these moves in college football with coaches or players. Yeah. But I just wish LSU, if you wanted Brian Kelly, could you not have waited till they were done with their season? I don't know. I don't think they wanted to risk it. And I know signing day is coming up and you know, you yeah. want to coach in for that. Yeah. But like, Yeah, no, it's in there. I don't blame LSU. It's it's they're doing what they do within their system. It's with, in the right for them to go after Brian Kelly right away. I'm just thinking, man, Brian Kelly has been at Notre Dame a long time and they came close to winning a national championship on more than one occasion. So I thought he was really destination program, never going to leave kind of guy. Um, so honestly, I love the unscripted reality TV aspect of college football with like how much unexpected things can happen. And we were, this season could have been one that would have just been unreal. If you could see Marcus Freeman in the national championship game and Brian Kelly sitting at home watching it with, it would have just been too good for words, like stranger than fiction. Can you imagine that though? Can you, like, that's a good, good kind of uh, thing to think about there. It's like kind of funny in a way. If the history Freeman- books is not going to remember how close it came to being one of the most incredible endings to a season ever. It, it, the history books won't remember it because what's going to happen is Alabama is going to smoke Cincinnati and Alabama is going to go on to win another championship. That's what's going to happen. And no one, and, and people at the end of the game are going to complain again. The, the mainstream fair weather fans going to go, 
and the pundits are going to go, I'm so sick of Alabama winning national championships and rolling over everyone and da 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 It's not interesting. But we could have came so close to the most interesting finish in college football history. Well, let's talk about that right now real quick. We'll get into the college football playoff uh, picture here. So number one, Alabama, they're 12-1. and They're playing Cincinnati, 13-0. and They're number four. Cincinnati had that big win against Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Uh, up in South Bend, they beat Houston. They're an American team, but Bama by far probably is the story of this whole college football playoff picture here because Bama, they had five wins against ranked opponents this season. The biggest win, I would actually argue their biggest win probably came against Auburn the week before the Georgia game when they won 24 to 22 against Auburn. That was like a four overtime game. The Iron Bowl has never gone in overtime before, and they just willed themselves to victory in that game. And I argue, I'll argue if they lost that game, I think some folks were hoping that they'd be out of the picture, out of the conversation of the playoffs. But honestly, I still think a two-loss Bama probably still would have gotten in somehow. But they they won. They did what they had to do, and then then they beat the brakes off of Georgia. 41 to 24. And they're going to beat the brakes off of Cincinnati. Yeah. I don't know that that one's going to be cute at all. I mean, that, that could be, that could be a, a pretty big win. I'm thinking that's going to be a game. You stop watching in yeah, the second half. My prediction would be Bama, probably 53 Cincinnati 13 or something like Cincinnati's that. Cincinnati's going to get steamrolled. And I hate to say it because I love the underdogs, but the much more intriguing matchup is going to be Georgia, Michigan. Yeah. I think that is you know, really- Georgia. Who the heck wants to watch Georgia right now? Like they just got crushed. Everyone watched that game. It's like, Oh man, you get crushed. And now you got to, and now you're going to get a chance at Michigan. You're like, it's, it's wild. Yeah. You, that's going to be a good game, dude. I'm actually going to be a good game. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's going to be a good game. But when you see Michigan, when you see Georgia get crushed, like they got crushed, you're just like, it, can't, it takes a little of the excitement. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, man. I mean, Georgia. So I'm going to talk about them for just a second here. Georgia this season, up until that Bama game, Georgia was limiting opponents to only 6.91 points per game. So they weren't even scoring a touchdown, an extra point against Georgia. But the 24 points scored by Georgia in the Bama game, that was the second lowest point total they've had all season offensively. And Georgia and Bama put up, what, 41 points against Georgia. So everything Georgia built this season, everything that we thought we knew about that program and how dominant this program looked, it was all a lie. It, It was all a lie in the very last game. We were riding with Georgia this whole way. This whole way, Casey, and Bama just embarrassed them very, very bad. How did Georgia hide like that in the SEC? I mean, Georgia, so if we look at some of the the teams that they beat, and you call it hiding, which might be, that might be fair, because they played Clemson this season. Clemson was ranked. We know Clemson turned out to be a pretender this year. You know, at the start of the season, they played Clemson, I think, they were number three at the time. Clemson was. Clemson was hot when they played them, but they're not, they had an awful season and yeah. the entire ACC was really, really down. Yeah. Georgia beat them by three points. Then they played Arkansas, Auburn, and Kentucky. Those are three ranked teams this season. They played them back to back to back and Kentucky was. Listen, 
you can you survive that that's incredible that's impressive yeah. yeah i mean it's it's not uh it's not a cakewalk in the sec some will say it's not that difficult in the sec east compared to the west certainly mm. which that could be the case here we thought georgia oh, was yeah. real and bama just exposed them man and georgia, i'm not gonna call, i'm not gonna yeah. call them frauds like i'm not gonna call them frauds they're just not yet. frauds they're not but frauds. if if they play bama again and get beat as bad as they got beat a couple weeks ago, they were definitely frauds. They're not, they're not frauds up until the SEC championship game. I mean, they didn't hide. You you beat. I mean, every game you just mentioned that Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky stretch, those games weren't close. I'm like Georgia did what they had to do. They they won the games on their schedule. You're right. I mean, the thing is, like, yeah, they played like Georgia Tech in the last game and in Charleston Southern. Like they got some some real easy matchups at the end and whoo i don't know man i think i think i honestly think michigan is going to be able to handle them i do too yeah and then honestly the the matchup the dream matchup is michigan alabama that is a dream matchup if you could see michigan somehow coming off and winning that i mean that would just be incredible I think that'd be incredible for a lot of college football lovers. I mean, you're talking about blue bloods right there, Michigan and Bama. I, I would consider Bama a blue blood, you know, back in the day. And yeah. like, if if Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh is John Harbaugh, right? Or Jim? Is Jim Harbaugh? John Harbaugh is a, is a Ravens coach. Yeah, I know, you, I know you love John, but like, if Jim is able to Riverboat to, John. <laughs> Yo, man, that game was crazy. You were watching that Steelers game. That was wild, bro. Wild game. How um, about wait, wait, finish your thought though. Yeah. Uh-huh. Fin- so uh if if Harbaugh is able to win a game against Georgia and able to make it to the championship game, man, that's a big, big boost for that program. Michigan football means a lot to a lot to a lot of different people just for what they mean to college football. Like that's a big program. And if they're able to do the unthinkable, beat Georgia. Yeah beat Bama two SEC schools back yeah. to back. That's like big for not only Michigan, but for the big 10 brand, man, that's a huge win. Yeah. I think the Southern schools, like the country, like your casual football fan, he's done with the Southern schools. He's like Ohio state, you know, they're the only one that isn't in the South that always seems to be competing recently, but for whatever reason, the, country always like thinks that college football is too southern i mean i i hear that all the time i'm like yeah it's just a bunch of the southeast states you know running away with it every year and then you know michigan and ohio state maybe but i think a lot of fans if it gets down to michigan versus alabama a lot of fans are gonna be rooting for michigan a there's they want to see a northern team compete and B, because they're sick of seeing Nick Saban win a national championship every single year. Yeah, man. And we got so close. There was an Arkansas game that was really close uh, this season, and then that was followed by the Auburn game. It looked like Auburn had Bama dead to rights. I was like, this game is over. And they came back and they won. I feel like if you let Bama into the playoffs, they're in the door now. There's no way that they're going to miss and mess up this opportunity, man. Saban is, for the most part, pretty money when it comes to playoffs appearances and winning national championships. And I, I think they've got some great chances to do that. 
they're going to steamroll Cincinnati. You called that. And if Michigan or Georgia can make it a game in that championship game, I mean, I would love to see it. But what we saw a couple weeks ago, Bama versus Georgia, that was not fun to watch. I actually turned away from it because this was a waste of my time. Yeah, the only thing that, like, was interesting about that game was seeing how money Bryce Young is. That dude is incredible. Did you see – oh, my gosh, one of my favorite plays of the whole college football season was – and I always wish they would do it more in the NFL because I've watched more NFL. But Bryce Young, he had that no look like he was an N1 N1 mixtape tour on the college football. Remember the old Dave Chappelle skit where he was doing the N1 tour like in different sports? Bryce Young had a no look lateral. It was so perfect. Dude, it was – I rolled the tape. Intern. Bryce, you know, Bryce, Dial that up, intern. My intern's at daycare right now, so I'll have, to, I'll have to get her on that when she gets home. But Bryce Young, he's a special talent, man. And he's a California kid, man. He's the no-look lateral? Are you kidding me? Do you know how many times I've watched an NFL game where there's a guy getting wrapped up in a tackle and there's someone right there that he could lateral it to? And I'm just like, do it, do it. But they're too scared because, you know, the turnovers. When it's when it's done cleanly, a lateral looks very impressive. Like a lateral is the most exciting thing in the, in football in life. And if you if you're a game a game changer like that, I mean Bryce Young, he's doing everything he can to win, man. He's that kid's a winner, man. And I think isn't he up for the Heisman? Listen, college football fans, let's be honest. Yeah, he's gonna win the Heisman without a doubt, right? I mean, he's he's got a shot. Uh, he's got a shot. I, I don't know, man. It's going to be. Yeah, he's going to win the Heisman, Bryce Young. Aiden Hutchinson is the only other, like, person I feel like in the conversation for Michigan, right? H- Hutchinson, there, there's a lot of love for him, man, right now. A, a defensive of, player yeah. winning the Heisman? Oh, a lot I of people it. want him to win, man. And I, so I'm not actually sure. I don't have a vote. Hopefully someday Cherry Pick can get a vote to the Heisman. That'd be huge. Give honor. that guy. Give Cherry Pick and Entertainment a vote. Give him Thank two you, votes. What's that? Give him two votes. Yeah, man. I, I wish, but I'm I'm gonna be watching watching that ceremony. I actually don't know who would win. I don't. I think it's gonna be Bryce Young. He's the most electric player in college football. He replaces Mac Jones. I mean, how do you replace he's having one hell of a season on the NFL level, bro? I know you're following them. He's great. Yeah, he's a system quarterback, I think he right now because he's so young. He's he is by far the best rookie quarterback. And then you talk about Bryce Young just stepping in there and knocking it out of the park. I mean, that's why that's why Alabama is so dangerous. They're they're recruiting their depth. It's insane. Yeah, man. I, I'm going to be curious to see who wins that. Who, who are the other candidates? You have that list up for the Heisman? Oh, the only ones I can think of is I think it's coming down to uh, Bryce Young and Aiden Hutchinson. You might be right there. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of the other two individuals right now. Give that give that Heisman to Bryce Young right now. Are you kidding me? Stop. That dude is electric. Is he the number one overall pick in the NFL draft? He just got the, the starting job. Is he isn't he like an underclassman? I, I don't even know that he's eligible. When he comes cool. out, when he comes out, I'm saying. But that's crazy. Back to back Alabama Heisman winners. He I won't don't know be that. this year. He oh, you don't think so? Oh, you're saying well, someday. He's, he's, I'm saying he's not gonna go to the draft this year, but I think he's gonna win Heisman. We'll see, man. I, I would be I'd be curious about who's gonna win that, but I don't know, man. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how these teams do in the playoffs. I'm really excited 
I'm actually glad you hopped on here. What are you looking up something? Yeah, I'm looking up your um current odds for the Heisman. Yeah, let um, me know. I got the favorite right now is Bryce Young, followed by Aiden Hutchinson. And then uh the other two in the conversation is Pitt quarterback Kenny Pickett and CJ Stroud quarterback oh, from Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah, so he's uh, you can eliminate CJ Stroud, but he'll he'll be in the conversation in the future for sure. Stroud would have been up there if they had beat Michigan for sure. Yeah, and and Pitt as well. So you're right. Yeah, it really is going to come down to those two, uh, Bama and Michigan players to see who's going to win it. Ultimately, I would love for Hutchinson to win it, but you know because we just don't see that a defensive player winning it. What Charles Woodson won it, you know, decades ago. But I don't that know. That feels like so long ago when Charles Woodson won it. But, you know, it could be Michigan's time, man. And, you know, you get another Heisman winner there. You get uh, potentially a shot at the national championships. If you can beat Georgia, I mean, anything could happen, man. And I'm, I'm excited for that because I don't dislike Michigan. I'm, I live in the Big Ten country. We've lived in the Big Ten country for a while, or at least I have and like, that's all we see. It's a big deal. But then when they get to this big stage, they don't really perform that well outside of Ohio state, certainly, but like overall, they kind of were underwhelming this year. I would say Michigan. No, Michigan was, was great, but I'm saying they were great, but what the heck happened in that Michigan state game? Didn't they get drilled? Yeah. They lost uh, against Michigan state this year. And there was a lot of, wasn't it lopsided? But I want to say they lost by like four points or something. Wasn't it close okay. towards the end? I can't remember um, how that shook out, but like if it was a – yeah, it was a close game. All right, so they didn't lose by that much to Michigan State, 33-37. So, yeah, the Wolverines were in that game. They've been in every game. They've obviously won every game except for that, but they've been in every game. There's no blowouts on their schedule. Of course, they yeah. haven't played someone as quality as Alabama. Though. Yeah, I, I like Jim Harbaugh that he's brought back the running game. Like Michigan was, you know, known for some some great runners. Drop some know. Michigan running backs. What's that? Drop some. Yeah. Mike Hart, you remember him? Oh shoot, yeah. Mike Hart. He. What about Anthony A. Train Davis? Oh yeah, man, he was a beast too. Two thousand one NFL Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year. I got his bobble right here, man. A. Train. Who else? Come on, Michigan running back. Send me some more. I got A-Train right here. You see that? Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah, man. And Mike Hart the- was a hard running back, but he didn't go very high in the draft, I feel like. Yeah, I don't think he did. But, like, that's just Midwest football, though, running Midwest running the ball. Football. You know what I mean? Wisconsin yeah. has some great runners. Uh, Penn State has had some good running backs as well. Like, it's that's all they do is run the football. Michigan runs it well. So, I feel like if you're going to – do well in the big 10. You got to certainly be able to run the ball. Well, Ohio state is a team that can do it all. Like they can run well and they've got great receivers, great quarterbacks. Oh yeah. I'm glad it's somebody else in the big 10 this year. Michigan is seemingly back and they've got an opportunity to win the national championship. I'm, I'm in to see how far they can go. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be exciting. Um, I mean, any any predictions for the championship game? Do you have you released your cherry picking national champion yet? No, I haven't uh, released my predictions yet for the bowl games. I need to probably do that this weekend. Figure out what what I'm thinking. But 
I think we've had some good conversation here. You've, you've definitely made me think a little bit about Michigan and their opportunity. Like they could beat Georgia. I'm not saying they will because Georgia's defense is pretty, they were pretty good. I mean, that Bama game showed me some stuff and showed me some weaknesses, but that's going to be a very tough game. I have no idea who I'm picking, man, but I'm going to spend some time this weekend. How about you? You know, I'm looking forward to the return of the XFL. Bring it back. Run it back. COVID knocked it out. I want to see more XFL. Pro football is my game. I want to see how it all shakes out. Because the reason I'm thinking of the XFL is because Bob Stoops was a coach in the XFL before um, before he, you know, the season got canceled and then he coached in, now he's coaching in that bowl game. Wait, the XFL, are they coming back? I thought they folded. The new No, the XFL, latest I heard was Rock, your boy, um, The Rock, bought into it. And now it's going to go up. They're going to get it back on. Wait, so the XFL with uh, Vince McMahon, it kind of folded. Alpha Entertainment, bro. Get it right. <laughs> it, fo- it folded, but then The Rock came in and was like, I'm going to help this and and make it viable again? Yeah, The Rock stepped in to buy the X, uh, he's like part owner now. Alpha Entertainment is the parent company of the XFL. That's the company that Vince McMahon started um, as the LLC that oversees it. And then I believe the latest story that I heard was Dwayne The Rock Johnson bought into um, ownership of the XFL. And now they're just trying to figure out the logistics on how they're going to bring it back. I mean, I would love to see some more football and The Rock being involved with that. That's a big a big name. I mean, he's huge in entertainment. He doesn't fail at things, I feel like. Like, I, I don't – I can't think of something that he's failed at. Um, I think he – yeah, he bought it straight up, I think, for $15 million. I, I'm seeing stories that he bought um, – he bought out the XFL parent company, Alpha Entertainment LLC for 15 million. So that's something to just keep on your radar, football fans. Speaking of Bob Stoops, speaking of XFL, speaking of, you know, pro football, and a lot of these college players are so exciting. And then because the NFL is just so cutthroat to get into, you know, I like having there be a secondary league where you can remember some of these stars. Um, you know, some of these guys who are hanging on to the bench could be superstars in the XFL. And, you know, these are guys that played at big programs in college football. They have a huge built-in fan base. I know Mountaineers in the pros, that's a huge thing for fans. Whenever um, the West Virginia Mountaineer players like do something good in the NFL, I'll get a text from my buddy and he'll be like, oh, did you see da-da-da-da-da had a pick six against da-da-da-da-da? And we'll be like, yeah, of course. So I want to see guys like Will Greer play in the XFL and star. He's like the third string quarterback right now, um, I think in Houston. So it's like, I want to see those guys on the field, man. They had glory years in college and I want that glory back. Uh, And I think all the college football fans will back me on that. We want to see this XFL thing thrive. When, when are the games supposed to be held Casey? Do you know? I don't know um, because there's a lot of, legal things to sort out with the XFL right now. Uh, unprecedented cancellation of the season. Um, 
Oliver Luck, speaking of West Virginia, I guess that's maybe why I follow this so closely is because Oliver Luck was our athletic director, the father of Andrew Luck, and he was commissioned to be the head of the XFL. Vince McMahon in Alpha Entertainment paid him millions of dollars to be the commissioner. Now, when the season ended abruptly in 2020 during COVID, um, his contract became in a big dispute because they, he, the Alpha Entertainment was on the line to pay him a lot of money. Well, there wasn't any football being played. So Alpha Entertainment had a hard time justifying playing them millions of dollars. Insurance, I'm sure, became involved. Lawyers heavily involved. Oliver Luck is now suing the XFL. I believe he is in a lawsuit. I'm not sure how that's going. So there's a lot to uh, untangle with the XFL, but I'm optimistic it's, it's going to come back. Damn, that's cool, man. Yeah, I would definitely like to see some football. I would like to see another league try to survive because for these players, like you said, they were household names in college and, you know, they may be buried on the depth chart right now, but if they had an opportunity to play and maybe get more exposure and maybe it could be like a, a minor league type situation for the pros, for the big leagues in the NFL, like everybody wants a shot to play football. And, you know, if, if the rock can make it a viable option, and make it exciting because the XFL was exciting back in the day. I'm not going to lie. It was, you put your name on something yeah. and you're Dwayne, the rock Johnson. If you put your name on something, it's going to be successful. I, I agree with you. That's he the mentality of Dwayne, the rock Johnson. Yeah, he doesn't he, put his, he doesn't attach his name to loser stuff. This thing is going to work out. Damn man. Well, I'm excited for that. We should do a little pod for that, man. Like an XFL pod. Whenever they get this up and running. We got to figure out what's going on with it. But yeah, I think it's coming back. I mean, Rocky Johnson didn't just pay $15 million to sit around and let that asset just decline. He's going to be, you're going to see pro football being played in the spring. You know, that's when it needs to be, if it's going to be successful, I think. Yeah, man. Well, I'm excited for that. Give me a merger. Give me a damn, give me a damn merger. I want to see this work. And I, I mean, I'm, I know there's so much to untangle, but merge me the CFL with the XFL. I want to see, you know, that's, that might be the only way that it can survive because you need to have some sort of built-in equity in these teams, brand equity. You need to have teams that fans know about. And you give me a, um, you know, Toronto Argonauts game versus an XFL team, you know, you're going to get some interest going on. That would be crazy, actually. That actually is a good idea. It's so much to sort out, but I'm telling you, if they can make this happen, a second league can happen, but it has to involve a merger with the CFL. I firmly have been, I've been on record saying that. Check the tweets. Well, we're going to, it'll be on this podcast forever. So I may have to cut that up in a little clip and put that as my like little intro. Yeah, man. Clip that. My XFL. I mean, we could even just release this XFL conversation as its own thing because XFL football I've been a fan since 2000, man. I know, I know the XFL through and through. And when it came back, I was excited as all get up. Well, here, here's what we'll do. We'll keep this. We'll keep it on this podcast. But I would like to get back with you, maybe do an XFL podcast or like an episode of it. Like I think you've got really engaging thoughts there, and I would love to like dive into this potential second league. I mean, we could be on the forefront. We could be on the. We could be one of the first folks to really be all in on that. And I would love an opportunity to wrap with you a little bit longer, you know? We could talk uh, XFL football. Yeah, man. We should definitely do it, dude. But 
Casey, let everybody know where they can find you. I mean, I appreciate your time today. This was, it felt like old times kind of hopping back on the mic with you, but can you tell me where, uh, can you tell the listeners where they can find you and your it's very content? simple. You, you can find my, my website at clearcontender.com. Clear contender, just like it sounds.com. Social media will all be there. If you want to follow me personally, my Twitter account is at Casey Talks Life. You can message me there and uh, we can get a little conversation going. I love the XFL. I think it's a, a natural offshoot of college football. I do because the pros, it can be tough. You know, you, you see talented guys. And because of their size, they just can never play in the NFL. They'll never play on Sunday. But they have so much talent. And it's like there needs to be a secondary place for them to shine. And I feel like these days, Casey, I know it was probably different back in the day where if a player gets drafted, and you're probably talking about folks that are probably undrafted, free agents, whatever, but like even players that get drafted that were on a bench or on a roster back in like the early 2000s, maybe late 90s, they were yeah. getting at least – three, four years to mature and to get ready these days. It's like, you're not happening. You got to go. Even if you're a quarterback, even if you're a quarterback, look at, look at um, anyone. I mean, they're look at what's going on in Jacksonville. Is Trevor Lawrence going to ever be able to recover from this nonsense? I think he will. I mean, cause you look at Joe Burrow and I think he's doing okay. on Cincy, but I mean, you're right. It's just a lot of some of these guys, they can't handle that get thrown in there right away. And um, you know, there's a very, a, bat, a very short leash, man. Like they listen, have to there's go. a demand for it. Yeah. There's a demand for it. There's a demand for professional football outside of the NFL, but it's not being handled right, well right now. And a lot of it is because of COVID the XFL was rocking and rolling and COVID came along and knocked it out. That's part of business. That's part of life unexpected acts of God that's going to happen. So what happens now? How do people regroup? You've got to make, um, you know, there's gotta be um, compromises. People have to make sacrifices, but if it's going to work, if there's going to be a rival league to the NFL that can support all these awesome college players that just don't have a home in the 32 NFL teams, They've got to find a way to make it work. And I have some serious opinions on this. I think the I think the CFL needs to be a big part of this. And the CFL needs to change some things about how they operate. So just to tease maybe the next conversation, the CFL needs to make some changes on how they operate if they're going to expand and merge with the XFL. And really, every you know, and everyone is going to win if this can work out. Everyone will win. The players, the executives, there's a win-win scenario that could take place to fans. But like I said, it's going to be nothing but hard work to get it done. Well, Casey, we'll leave the fans with that little taste of what you just said there. I would love to get you on the podcast to talk about that. We, we certainly can do it this holiday season, man. I got the time. If you got the time, we could hop on the pod, talk about that, talk about anything, really. I mean, I enjoy having you on here. I appreciate your time. We are cutting this up. I'm going to drop this hopefully later tonight. We'll get a new cherry picking podcast out there, but I'm glad you reached out to me to hop on here because you were like, yo man, I got some thoughts, especially about this coaching carousel that is happening right now. We didn't even get a chance to talk about temple football. They have a vacancy. Rod Carey, he's gone. 
There's a vacancy right now. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm excited to see who they fill in that position. There is a lot happening in this coaching carousel that we didn't even get into the meat of. But it's it's going to be a crazy offseason. It's not done yet. we got college bowl games coming up. I'm excited for that. And I'm looking forward to the playoffs as well. I mean, who's going to be in there? we got Cincinnati. we got Alabama. we got Georgia. we got Michigan. It's anybody's guess who's going to be there. I'm excited to see it play out. And Casey, maybe we'll talk a little bit more uh, college football once that first game happens in the playoffs, once that semifinal matchup happens. I would love to get you back. Sounds like a plan. All right, man. Well, thank you for hopping on here. Thank you to the Cherry Picking listener at home. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the downloads. Most importantly, I appreciate your friendship. Be well this year, this this holiday season. Love one another and just uh, find that peace. But I'll be back sooner than later. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Casey, thank you for your friendship. And we will holler at y'all in the near future. Take care, everybody. Peace. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website, cherrypickingsports.com. If you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.